Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pale in Comparison, a proud member of the Doof Network. In this podcast, my sister uses her knowledge of the otherverse to take a look at Pact, Wildbo's least appreciated work, and I try to not give away any spoilers. I'm Jenny, and Malia convinced me to read more. I'm Malia, and Jenny convinced me to read everything else. This episode, we are covering Histories Arc 3. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to issue a spoiler warning. This podcast is filled with pale spoilers. If you don't know Toad Swallow's plan for Kennet and don't want us to tell you, stop now, read Pale, and come back to this podcast. As for Pact, there will be full spoilers through the chapter we are covering. All right. Um, also, we want to remind you guys, we've got a fan art contest going on. Woo, woo, woo. Yay. Um, called Pale Complexions. That's right. <laughs> We're really good at naming stuff. Just want to make sure you remember that. Um, and anything other verse related that siblings. Okay. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So nothing about like any of the heartless, uh, you know, or heartbroken, you know, that's going to be like heartless kids, but yeah, that's the same thing. That's awkward speaking. I'm having problems with my brain, but anyway, <laughs> Uh, none of those guys. Um, we are sticking strictly to Otherverse for this contest. So yes. um, please draw stuff. It'd be super cool. And yeah. y- you can win stuff. AKA yeah. money. And if instead of doing art, you like to judge people and their art, um, you should become our patrons. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash doofmedia, you can sign up. Um, and our patrons are the people who will be who will be picking the winners of this contest. Um, Submissions are due July 30th. So go nuts and make beautiful things. And I mean, they can be ugly too, I guess. Kind of whatever your aesthetic is. It is is the other verse. Yeah, it is. You know, you do you essentially. Yeah. And give us money. So we allow you to vote to give other people money. (laughs) Woohoo. Woohoo. All right. Well, our chapter summary, just really vaguely, uh, is that we're going to go into Sandra Duchamp's past. Woo! Woo! So, did you ex- what did you expect for um cause I'm trying to remember, did you did you know it was going to be an interlude? I think you um, may have, but I think I knew it was going to be an interlude because we were trying to plan the episodes ahead and you were kind of like oh i'm not sure whether to assign you both and i was like oh well is it you know whatever two chapters or whatever and it was like oh it's a chapter and an interlude that's right and um because i knew that the last chapter was the last like uh blake chapter or whatever for the arc so i did not expect sandra duchamp i don't think um Mm -hmm. i was really excited i feel like we haven't heard or seen a lot of her I mean, like, we've heard of her as kind of a badass, like, oh, Sandra Duchamp and the connections. And, you know, like, she's kind of an intimidating-ish person, but we haven't really seen her do much. She hasn't interacted with Blake at all. And so I was a little surprised, you know, it wasn't Laird, it wasn't Andy, um, it was Sandra or Sandra or whatever. And that was kind of cool. Okay. I, I really like her. She has big girl boss energy. And I think in a different story, like, 
I would really be cheering for her. And in some ways mm-hmm. I am. Um, and I think very much like the, uh, yes, the person who like consorts with demons, you know, like versus this like badass woman who's trying to make the best of things. She's really cool. And it, yeah, it's just interesting. Um, remembering constantly that I'm cheering for the demon boy. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because I feel like, at least if you look at it in a certain way, in uh, most of Wildwood's stories, like if you look at, you know, Worm and Ward and stuff, there'll be an interlude where um, you see like an antagonist or a villain or something and you get their perspective and um, either feel sympathetic or actually start to like them because you're like oh this person's a human but it's like instead of an interlude we're almost getting a whole story <laughs> based on mm-hmm. based on that just because i mean not that blake is you know it's not about him it's about the the demon shit really you know kinda. right right i mean that's the thing like she hasn't interacted with him she doesn't know this kid at all um, mm-hmm. but it's it's also just like She's definitely an antagonist, you know, but I don't think of her as a bad person um, anymore, I guess. Like, Laird's still a dick, but I really like her, and I really want to know more about her family. I think that's the most frustrating thing with these interludes, is I feel like I leave with a whole bunch of questions, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I really hope we get explanations eventually. Yeah. No, they're really, they're, they're pretty interesting, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked this one a lot. Um, yeah, I remember taking me off guard, too. I was like, oh, I didn't expect to be going here. <laughs> um, but basically, this is kind of a long section for this part I put on here. But um, essentially, Sandra is being auctioned off, well, for lack of a better word, uh, to a husband that her family wants to take a risk on. Um, she ends up holding her own in the conversation um, and wins him over. Yeah, like I said, I really liked her um, and really like her. Um, We start off with, like, intense physical manipulation from her aunt, um, like, Mm -hmm. putting her in the exact position, and it's almost, like, torturous. Like, it's like, you must hold your chin at this exact angle. And there's a moment later on when she moves and her aunt goes to put her back in that position, and she herself, like, finds the exact position again. And I was like, oh, yeah, Sandra, like, go you, like, you're good at this. But it was also just like, oh, uh, like, 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 she's, she's good at this. She survives. She excels in some ways. But I hate that she had to find that position again. And I hate that she had to learn it so quickly. And it just makes, it made me a little bit sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that, that sucks. Um, I guess that's kind of. I know about having to be all like super perfect. Um, I guess that's part of the Faye thing. You know, they're good at Mm -hmm. getting into that exact like everything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, The Faye are very like detailed and particular and meticulous. And so it makes sense that they would have to be too. And it really builds up the contrast with um, Jeremy when he shows up. And it's like, this isn't like, he looks like he's not trying hard. It's just literally he's not trying at all. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting how she emphasized like that this he actually wasn't trying. Um, and it was yeah. a little heartbreaking seeing like 
the levels she was going to or being forced to go to compared to his complete apathy for the situation. Yeah. Um, and like hostility toward the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to talk about the whole adjusting her boobs thing. Um, yeah. What the <laughs> fuck, man? Well, so, so I went prom dress shopping, um, in high school, right? Cause I went to prom <laughs> and I bought a prom dress and I, we went to this very packed, very busy store that had dresses just like fucking everywhere. Like, I don't even know how they did it. I also don't understand how I found this dress. It's, a perfect beautiful dress and i love it but i don't really understand how i managed to find it in like the heaps and heaps of dresses in this store but you know like <laughs> trying it on whatever and i'm like i'm like five seven so i'm not like you know super tall but i'm not short and especially compared to like a lot of people Me. in Hawaii, particularly asian women and jenny yeah. <laughs> um i am tall and this so this tiny asian woman i believe like chinese woman but i'm not sure who owns this store and is like, you know, running around helping people find their dresses and stuff. Just very no nonsense. Matter of fact, like comes up to me and is like helping me with my dress or whatever. And basically just like puts her hand down my, like the front of the dress and like moves my boobs into the right position. Like (laughs) so quickly. And so just like no asking permission, no whatever. And it was just like, before I could even be like, what the fuck it was like over. And I was like, well, that wasn't sexual at all. Like, <laughs> and it fits and it's nice and you made it work. And like, what the fuck just happened? Like this, in retrospect, that was weird. But at the time, it was kind of like... Well, it, it was like, it was immediately weird. But it was also like, okay, well, that obviously wasn't like sexual or like anything. Like it was like, just very like... Matter of fact. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like, I'm okay with this. Like... <laughs> Um, you didn't really have a choice. So it was like, okay, I guess like, this is fine. Well, this dress fits. Um, and so it was pretty funny, like reading the. Um, I also I have like very large boobs, and so I kind of am used to like them being an issue. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, so it wasn't entirely surprising that she felt the need to do this. But like reading this description, I was immediately reminded of that. But then it was like, like. Oh god, what did she say? It was like, yeah, f- fluffing the boobs <laughs> to like get them into a good shape. It was like, my woman was not fluffing. Like, my woman did not fluff my boobs. <laughs> it was just like, yank, yank, <laughs> yank, yank. Tie up the corset, done. Move on to the next girl. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just was like, like, I feel like fluffing boobs, like, that'd be. I don't know if it would do help. anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, I really liked the description and boobs or pillows or whatever, but I was just kind of like, nah, you got to yank them. <laughs> yeah. If they're pillows, they're like, kinda, they're a bit dense, you know, they're like, it's like if your pillow was like made of jelly or something, <laughs> you can't fluff jelly, you know? Yeah. Or, it just or kinda, like jello. You can't it just kind of goes back into the same spot, you know? It yeah, kinda, you got to like... shove it and cut it and <laughs> Don't cut your boobs. Don't cut your I boobs. I mean, I guess if you go to a doctor, but like, that's fine. don't just like start cutting on your boobs. Um, I, I also am... just really wanted to say fluffing my boobs on this podcast. So, oh, well, goal, you know, you met your one of your bucket list items, I guess, you know, kind of a weird one, but you know, no judge. <laughs> that's fine. 
<laughs> I am very lucky. I've never had my boobs fluffed or uh, <laughs> repositioned by someone else that I can, you know, uh, I don't, <sighs> along with your height, I don't have quite the amount of, uh, I don't know, boobs that you do. So that's kind of, kind of nice. Yeah. So I feel like that would be a pain. It It's not. Okay. It doesn't like really happen quite as often as. I've made it sound. Um, I just was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's good. It ha- doesn't happen that often, but I mean, it's still like. I'm trying to remember if like, I bought a dirndl, which is like a German, like a like a Bavarian, traditional dress thing, and I'm trying to remember if they were adjusting my boobs, when I bought that. I don't think so. I don't remember. Do you remember if those people... I mean, you are making it sound like that happens often. <laughs> like, anytime you get something, like, I don't know, that is not just like a normal t-shirt, you're like, did they adjust my boobs that time? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I you're in a rush and you gotta sell, you know, $300 prom dresses and you need this girl to just to fit into dress it. On. <laughs> and just like... Obviously, she doesn't know how her boobs are supposed to go, so I gotta do it. Her, there you go, and then there you go, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I just I wonder if she does that to all the girls, or just. I mean, it didn't I didn't feel again, like it was her first. Rodeo. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Boob fluff. Bluff. Yank, blank. Flube? <laughs> no, that's terrible. That's, that's too much. Yeah, that's, a, that's a gross one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I regretted it. And that's what she said. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to move on, I'm assuming. Um, yes. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, yeah, I'm glad that... that is not the norm for most people. So I'm sorry to you and all uh, big boobed women uh, and men out there who've truth had to get readjusted um, <laughs> by someone else. Cause that seems like that would suck. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Closest thing. Like, I mean, I've had to have help when I was learning how to breastfeed. That was not mm. not quite the same. Um, but those lactation nurses are pretty awesome, though. They know their stuff. In terms cool. of, like, feeling... Yeah, I mean, when you're pregnant, people, like, just want to touch you. That's and so a lot weird. of times they don't ask you. Um, to where it would actually be, like, a relief if someone would ask me before touching my stomach. Um, I'm talking, for some, I feel like I've been getting touched less this time. Maybe I'm giving off more of a vibe or maybe just my new work environment people are like not as touchy or something (laughs) i mean they're still touchy but you know they actually ask me but like the first time i don't remember if i said this on this podcast or not but the first time um i ever had someone like um in terms of like a stranger um or someone i didn't know that well say acquaintance like touch my stomach it was two people at the same time <laughs> and they they both did the same thing. They didn't just touch my stomach with their hands. They literally 
both like it's like they planned it like they both <laughs> like bent down and put their heads like their ears on my stomach it was the weirdest shit and i did not know these people very well and i did not i, I was kind of in shock i didn't know what to say <laughs> and they're just like ah, baby and they both put their hand their heads like right on my stomach and then we're kind of rubbing my stomach and stuff and i was like what the fuck is happening <laughs> And ever since then, um, I get really happy when people actually fucking ask if they want to touch my stomach. Um, do you I say know. yes? Like, do you feel obligated? I I mean, as long as they're not like a creep, I don't care. Most of the time, I just am happy they ask. If I, I mean, yeah, I ge- it generally doesn't really bother me. But mm. I mean, if, if you ask <laughs> So, so generally, like, it's not, I don't really feel obligated, but I'm just like, hey, you know, you don't come across a pregnant woman every day, you know? I mean, it's a stomach. Feels Some people of, do. That's true. Some people do, but your average person probably isn't, you know, like, kind of feels like a beach ball sometimes. Uh, yeah. Right now it does. Um, so, <laughs> and I'm at the point where it's like, if you're lucky and time it, you might get kicked in the hand. Yeah. So, woo. Um, yeah, but it's just weird. So yeah, people, the two, main two roles I can think of off the top of my head for a pregnant woman, if you want to touch their stomach, please ask them. And, I mean, if they look uncomfortable, maybe just don't do it. Um, <laughs> the second thing is, unless the baby is coming out, do not assume they're pregnant. <laughs> don't just go up, do not go and ask someone when are you due, because like... There's so many women, including myself, actually. Or I, I mean, I think I technically was pregnant, but I didn't know I was pregnant. Uh, so, like, um, like there's so many women who've been asked that, that, like, you're just going to make them feel terrible. In fact, like, one of my friends told me she had, this is a while ago, she had bought, like, this new dress and she felt really, really cute. And someone came up trying to be nice and was like, when are you due? And she wasn't pregnant at all. And it made it to she never wanted to wear that dress again. Like, that's just sad. Like, just just assume that there's nothing there. On the other hand, though, if they do tell you that they're pregnant and they look obviously pregnant, don't do what my patient did um, like a month ago and be like, oh, I didn't even realize. Because then you're just like, oh, do I just normally do I just look like do I just look like a fat person? (laughs) You know, like, <laughs> kind of have to go in between there, you know? <laughs> like, if you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, in my third trimester, don't be like, oh, man. Like, I I mean, unless they're obviously, like, really thin, because some people just don't show. But if they if they look, if they do look pregnant and say that, just be like, okay. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations is, like. <laughs> just say that. That's, that's, that's usually a good one, okay? It's generally a good one to go with. <laughs> All right. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, back to uh, what we're supposed to be talking Speaking about. Speaking of what not to say when women are pregnant, we're going to get to that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll get but, to that eventually. Um, um, I'm I'm pretty curious about the Duchamp family. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about all the families in... Jacob's Bell, but um, practitioner families are really interesting. They're very controlling and they're very um, into their patterns and everything. Mm-hmm. But this family in particular, it's like, okay, so 
we know at least some Duchamps have been in Jacob's Bell since Grandma Rose was a child. Um, I feel like we don't know necessarily where Sandra is from. We know she ends up in Jacob's Bell. We know she lived in Toronto for a bit. Um, it seems like there are family members like we met some at that party thing from out of town, possibly Toronto. They also have familial connections to Japan. Um, I just feel like I'm trying to figure out who the head of this family is or how that works. And it seems like hmm. it's not the Jacobs Bell branch that Sandra is the head of that currently. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering like how she got there. Um, I'm also wondering like her aunt, like what was she, she's her aunt seemed like she was the head of some branch, but I'm not entirely sure where. Um, Cause it also seemed like her aunt kind of answered to other people like they were like oh the family wants you to marry this guy even yeah. though the aunt was kind of like oh like you don't have to we can find you someone else um so her aunt seemed like no you can marry someone else but the family wants you to um maybe it's kind of like a council thingy where everyone kind of picks things together it was just like i'm just trying to figure this this out yeah um, it also seems like she doesn't have children. Um, I'm wondering if she's still married to Jeremy or if they are divorced. Um, and what exactly is up with that? I kind of have the feeling that like they're still married and they just haven't talked in seven years. But I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, like... We have. I don't believe we've seen, um, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy or Jerry or whatever, um, before before now, right? So, Mm-mm. um, what did I guess you kind of went over this a little bit? He just like looked like he did not give a fuck about anything. Was not trying whatsoever. It yeah. So it seems like he like started worshiping. Dionysus I assume some sort of like he really liked to party and it just sort of like fell into it and then like his power you know comes from Dionysus and so he just became very disconnected from humans um Mm -hmm. and but like is I don't remember if this kind of practice has a name like I feel like it does and I can't fully remember but he's you know like he's the disciple of a reasonably powerful god um and so that makes him like a good potential match for a you know Duchamp woman whose family wants to possibly like be connected to the Lord of Toronto or whatever um cuz it seems you know like they want they think that he could possibly make a run for Lord of Toronto at some point which is why they're like okay Sandra we're going to match you with this guy um it's not just that Jeremy doesn't care. He's, like, actively hostile. Yeah, um, he is. Yeah, like, he, it's not just, like, he's, like, oh, like, what? Like, oh, like, a girl? Like, oh. He's just, like, oh, like, fuck you, you're Barbies, you're boring. Like, you know, your Latin pronunciation sucks. Like, does the blonde have... Dick. Right, like, does the blonde have brains? Like, just, like, super like 
super aggressive. And I'm kind of like, bro, you did not need to come to this meeting. Like, you did not need, like, why the fuck are you here? Like, I mean, I think their points about, like, you know, the Duchamps are really good at at a certain skill set. And if you're at all interested in, like, power and connections and rising up in the ranks, like, you know, we're a really good ally to have. And it's not that big of a price, especially if you're not, like, considering other marriages um you just you know like i think that this was advantageous for him obviously and maybe mm-hmm. he was thinking about that but i'm kind of like literally why show up to this meeting if you're going to be such a complete asshole yeah i feel like um, the booze probably didn't help maybe he's i mean which i mean i guess he's some he's intoxicated in some kind of way all the time but uh right I, yeah i mean i just i really hope he's not an angry drunk that's very not great it's a pretty shit quality man yeah who like is drunk all the time i like by the end of this i felt like pause like seeing them in their in her next scene like 15 years later or whatever i felt a lot more positively toward him and then so coming back and rereading this chapter, I was like, oh, like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Straight I, up D-bag, bruh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the fact that Wildbow picks Dionysus in this instance was interesting. Um, I feel like in Pact so far... Not universally, but in general, we're picking, or he's been picking more conventional um, and famous Western traditions. You mm-hmm. know, like Dionysus isn't exactly a obscure Greek god, um, and the Greek theology or the Greek pantheon, the Greek pantheon is um, like pretty well known, um, and then like demons and like Christian theology and all of that. Um, Whereas in Pale, it's like some of them seem made up or really obscure or are like blends of different um, things. And I just think it's kind of interesting that like he went from, you know, Dionysus to, um, I don't even know, like Ulysses God, I guess. Just like kind mm. of, or that the, the, the healing chill this fuck god or whatever like mm-hmm. i guess that might be an actual god in some mythology but i don't um it didn't strike me as obviously one um do you do you have an opinion about that sort of thing in terms of um sorry can you repeat your question one more time sorry. just in terms of like while bow impact is using a lot of myths that aren't like that are well known in the western stuff and he doesn't really impale why do you think that is um i mean it could be as simple as that he um those are the ones he knew more about Mm -hmm. um when he was writing this and since uh pale has come out he's um been able to read up on some more stuff but Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, 
if you look at demons, that ties in pretty well to Christian theology. So mm-hmm. maybe it just is easier, like, or it just makes more sense within the story context um, to have that. Um, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, read on. We'll see if there's like other stuff that pops up as well, or if you still have the same opinion. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it just, it surprised me, like, I don't remember for certain if I was like, oh, like Dionysus or whatever, like before they say it. Um, But it was pretty obvious that like, that's who this was. And I'm not Mm -hmm. used to that feeling when reading a wild bow story, I guess, is kind of what I'm like, um, getting at. It's Mm. just like, um, I like it, but it felt different. I guess so. Um, it's not it's not really a critique. It's just like kind of something that stuck out as like maybe this was an earlier, like less experienced wild bow slash like a maybe like a not as fully thought out. I mean, I feel like universe, in Worm maybe. he still put a lot of um references to things like in terms of naming and stuff like that. Um so I don't I don't even know if I'd say I mean that could be it, but um could just be that he thought it fit the story better to wait until now to bring some of that in. That's true. Like, not everyone's read Percy Jackson, Malia. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just like, oh, it's so obvious to me, but it's okay. <laughs> Everyone should read Percy Jackson. That it's is pretty good. great. Don't watch the movie. I mean, the second if, one gets better. I feel like if the author of the story is like it. railing it in terms of saying how much it fucking sucks which i believe you can look on his website oh he hates and, it yeah i feel like that's just a good indication that like it kind of sucks ass yeah yeah nothing yeah there is supposedly a tv show in production with disney plus i believe um i'm not sure where they are in the process but he seems more involved and more excited about that Yay! So, that's good. Cool. Yeah. Yay! One thing I hate is when they take like awesome stories, um, and change a lot of the aspects, including like the age just of the characters, mm-hmm. like for the giver, for one, like made them all like what sixteen or something like that. Yeah, really? they made them all like old and like had some weird love triangle thing through the whole thing which is like no at least from what i've heard granted i didn't see it because i didn't (laughs) want to have my heart shattered into a million pieces um with how they butchered it because i heard it was bad same with ender's game i didn't make my i couldn't make myself watch it because i oh you heard it was bad i didn't really hear anything but i heard they spoiled the ending in the trailer <laughs> I do sort of remember that, yeah. Which I feel like that's not that doesn't bode well. It's pretty, yeah. Um, dumb. yeah. So, just childhood books like that, just like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting that her aunt is like, oh. You know, if you don't like her, we can totally change her appearance for you, no problem. And it's kind of like, maybe that's not the problem. Like, maybe, 
like he does seem to be very dismissive of her looks um and the like conventional beauty or whatever that she is that she has um mm-hmm. but it just sucks because sandra's just like oh my god no like i she doesn't want it you know she doesn't want to have to put on glamour yeah. constantly to please her husband and she shouldn't have to um and yeah that moment was just like like frightening like like, fuck you guys yeah yeah that's pretty jacked um yeah yeah, i i yeah again i guess just being around faith so much makes it for that family i'm assuming to be like oh we can turn to that as a solution Mm -hmm. um Speaking of, like, I guess, Faye, or not Faye, um, were you surprised about Sandra's familiar? I was so surprised. (laughs) I love Hilda so much. (laughs) I love her so much. I need more Hilda. I, um... (laughs) Yeah, I... I just, like, was like, oh, she's a Duchamp, but it's a Faye familiar. Like, I just, like, didn't really think about it or the fact that it's a stoat i think it was mm-hmm. or anything i was just kind of like oh whatever um i was like oh it's not a bird weird um but then it's just like this fucking troll and it was just like this is so cool um i really love what this says about sandra um i think that she is really torn between wanting to like say fuck you to her family and leave and knowing that like she can't um for a lot of practicality reasons i think that Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be good for her i think there's a lot of advantages from staying in her family and i think that she is like very controlled by them um i think that they were like that they approved of her desire to have this familiar that this still fit in the acceptable boxes or acceptable options but it isn't what i expected um, mm-hmm. I love that, you know, you know, Hilder is like really smart and really strong and, you know, to be, to manage to bind Hilder, you also have to be smart and strong kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, she went alone for months and like found her and like, um, she, um, was educated. Like she got her degree at such a young age, partially because she was like, I want to be able to find one of these like she she didn't want a fairy um yeah and i'm wondering how much her personality was influenced by hilder in terms Mm -hmm. of being um more aggressive more direct um less you know oh i'm a fairy oh i'm gonna say all these things (laughs) Ooh. how satisfying was it to like just be like fuck you dude like i'm gonna have my fucking like troll come out it was so good she just fucking like jumps and it's just like troll and she breaks the expensive bottle and everyone falls to the ground and he's just like well as long as she doesn't actually hurt me and i'm like lol and i like also that like i didn't realize it the first time reading it but like her her implement is that chalice that the cup Mm -hmm. um which in tarot and different things is like very feminine um very it's like both like the water element but it's also like the cup is the vagina right but the cup is also like receiving um 
it's a lot more passive. It's not, um, hmm. you know, like the wand, the sword, these are very active. These are very like, go out and stab you and do the thing. Whereas the cup, like cups sit there and hold things, right? Like yeah. women. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, sure. I think it's interesting that she has a cup, um, but then she also has a troll. And she manages to use her implement in very, um, I don't know if the word is aggressive ways, but that's what she does to, like, get Hilda to attack him and to, like, ha- like break the bottle and stuff. She's using her implement. And then later with the fairy, she uses her implement for something I don't fully remember. But those weren't, like, Super passive. passive. Yeah. Um... And I like that she's not just like, oh, I'm not like other girls. Like, I hate this. But, like, she also has a fucking troll. And she, like, later, like, pets Hilder's, like, braid shit in an intimidating way. And I hope that they like each other because I love Hilder. I feel like they do. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they do. Which one do you think she got first? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I kind of think she got the implement first, if I had to guess. Um, that seems like something they want their daughters to do quickly and early. Um, yeah. And it seems like having an implement would have made it easier to get to bind um, Hilder. True. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hilda's pretty sweet. She's so cute. Um, I also, her aunt in this scene goes from being like completely insufferable to like much more sympathetic and empathetic. Like it's like you kind of like, it's like she's being real with her niece and possibly her daughter for the first time. You know, I think she was really impressed with Sandra, um, both from the she could hold her position in the exact right spot that her aunt wanted her to. And she managed to make this work. She didn't take shit from this guy who was insulting her family. Um, and she's finally real with her and is kind of like, Hey, like we're going to give you an actual choice in this matter. Um, yeah. And seeing like, like, I think that Sandra in the present is very, very similar to her aunt. You know, I think that the Duchamp woman buy into the importance of their dynasty. Um, I think that it must be something, some weird thing that's super important that allows them to have power for some reason. Um, And I think that at this point, she's willing to sell off her nieces um, or whatever. Um... And I think that in this moment, you can see how her aunt could have been like more like Sandra or Missy and become the woman who's willing to do this, that she's not completely like without empathy, but she feels that this is like necessary. Yeah. No, for Which sure. Which sucks. <laughs> it does. It totally sucks. I guess they get a lot of power from it. Um all right, probably our next section, if you're cool with that. Um, so kind of fast forward to 
believe 12 years um, later, um, Sandra has a meeting with a fairy ambassador um, about her husband's missing satyrs. I said that right. Satyrs? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up getting them back um, and finds out that she's expecting. Um, after returning to her husband, she finds something she was not expecting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually think it's 15 years, um, later in really? this section, um, she says like, it's been 15 years, but they still try to seduce me. And I still think about it. I think that the 12, she's been like doing fairy shit for 12 years. Ah, okay. Like, I don't Stand know if corrected. like her family decided that she could go into the fairy courts. Like, I'm not like, she's there to get fairy to possibly become familiars for other Duchamp girls. Um, she's also there to get her husband's satyrs back, but like the main reason she's there is for these familiars. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm wondering like, how and why she got that job. I mean, her aunt was impressed by her. Maybe she just was kind of like, all right, we're going to ask you to try to do this as well. Due to the family, whatever. I'm curious as to whether Sandra enjoys this or wants this. Um, I feel like, you know, she is good at this. She knows a lot of the things to watch out for. She knows um, what to listen for and what to think about when she's dealing with the fairy. But I'm not sure if she likes it or not. I feel like she doesn't necessarily reflect on, like, it's not like, oh, this is thrilling and I love the intrigue. And yeah. it's not like, oh, I, like, this is torture. It feels like it's like a chore and a duty. And I'm wondering if she is the one who continues to do that now or if she's handed this sort of thing off to someone else because she's, like, sick of their shit. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like she loves it. Mm-mm. If she really loved it, she might have picked a phase a familiar instead. True. It. I wonder how the Duchamps and like Patrick interact. Having a exiled fairy prince in a town with like some hardcore fairy related practitioners is really interesting, and I wonder how much they deal with each other that's a good question <laughs> it's just a it was thought mm-hmm. um but yeah going back to my my hilder fan club um i love that I, th- I the whole like you're not supposed to eat or drink anything when you're there was interesting very like fey like and stuff and so she sort of like hands the cup over to Hilder and Hilder just fucking chows it. Like she just like puts the whole goblet in her mouth and like crunches it up. And it's just like so good. <laughs> like Hilder isn't a goblin. Um, this troll is not like running around and jumping and screaming and like pooping and throwing things and stuff. Um, but this this troll is not a fairy, right? Like this yeah. troll, I think, fucks with the fairy in the way that goblins do not because of their stealing her stealing the spotlight but just like her she's very direct she's very violent she's very like she cuts through their bullshit mm-hmm. um and i love that <laughs> um 
She's so good. Um, she thinks about how, like, or Sandra thinks about how they must have done this so many times and has accounted for all the possible variables of the situation. And I'm just like, you didn't account for Hildur. <laughs> like, you didn't account for a fucking troll ripping up your <laughs> giant table and cutting off your limbs with it. Yeah. But now yeah. you learned something. <laughs> yeah, I just, the fairy feel very, like, mafioso, like, mob boss. Like, they don't ever say anything directly. They're very, like, manipulative. They have lots of, like, hand- fingers and things. Um, They can be very violent. But I feel like, you know, the scenes with the fairy is very much, like, oh, like, like, there's four different things going on at once, and you're never quite saying what's actually happening Mm -hmm. um and it just i don't know but yeah a throwback sort of to earlier in this conversation i totally didn't get that sandra was pregnant at this point Mm -hmm. i was thinking that like there was someone else in the fairy verse whatever this was that was also trapped and it was like oh like we just want to make sure everyone can get out because maybe there's like been someone else from her husband's whatever that was taken and she didn't know about it or whatever i just like didn't um expect this at all but it seems like she was kind of excited and like she was like oh i'm really afraid of giving birth um her husband's like oh i can let you get drunk the whole time (laughs) like that was really sweet um and i don't know their relationship it's kind of like she's the only human he has any connection to talking about how men with their wives and girlfriends can actually like be open and talk about their emotions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, they don't have a perfect relationship, but they're the only like person, the only human that either of them have like a connection with. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of like the second time going through, it really like breaks my heart that he, he knows about their whole, we can only have daughters thing. And he knows that she's conceived a boy. And he doesn't tell her. I think that's kind of shitty. Well, I mean, maybe he didn't realize it. Until the nymph said, said it in particular. I'm pretty sure he knew. Um, because he's very much like, yeah, this is my God's will. And this is going to happen every time. And yeah, I thought that my God and his brother and are fond of their tragedies line was pretty funny. Because Greek tragedies are such a, like, thing in classical literature or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just, like, one boy in the line is broken, the working unravels. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you can still awaken all your fucking kids. Like, what is it? I mean, the, the lot, like, it's like, oh, it's, it, it sounds like there's some sort of connection-y magic. You know, like, the line something unraveling like it feels like the threads and connectiony magic but like mm-hmm. what does it do that just fucking awakening your kids wouldn't do does something does something <laughs> and it might be important and i might find out <laughs> all right so last part um she calls someone mysterious and asks for a favor yeah, I feel like um, you putting this and like your question earlier makes it seem like either this isn't Jerry or you want me to think that it's not Jerry, but it's fucking Jerry, right? 
I'm kind of curious why you didn't think it was the baby. What? <laughs> what? She's having a boy, right? No, she aborted it. They'll never let me keep it. The whole line will unravel. Is this I mean, her fucking child? This can't be her child. You can't have done this to me. I'm just saying. I just, I'm just asking. Regardless of whether it is or not, that's what I thought the first time I read it. So I'm kind of curious. Oh. Like. No. Um, I mean. We can explore both. We can explore both. But like. I remember the, the first time I read it. That's what I thought. That's so interesting. Um. No, but just that they'll never let me keep it. If we have like one boy and the line is broken, it doesn't seem like the Duchamps have been like fucked or something. Like, I don't think that she would be in charge of anything if she had had a boy. And especially if she knew about it. Um, it also, they, they talk about the connection between them, like the distance between them grew wider. And in that conversation, they were saying like, you know, we have this thing and it's not perfect. It's fragile, but you know, it's good or it can work or whatever. Like she seems kind of happy and contented ish. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and the, in this conversation with this person, Mm -hmm. they say something along the lines of like, Oh, it was fragile or something. Mm -hmm. Like I was just like pretty positive that like, this is Jerry, her estranged husband who hasn't talked to her in seven years. And we're going to Toronto to fight the bucket and um other shit mm-hmm. <laughs> like drunken wine demons except not demons drunken wine demons <laughs> um because i guess like if it's her son then it seems like something bad should have happened to the duchamp's magic mm-hmm. it seems like People would know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like this person would have to be a super secret and you wouldn't want to call them and talk to them because connections. But maybe that's why it's been seven years. But also, I, I just, I don't know. I don't see this woman as being like, I'm not talking to my son for seven years. I don't know. I think, well, uh, just again, I'm not telling you which one it is. I'm just saying, uh, I think when I read it, I was interpreting um, in terms of like, the line is broken to be more like in terms of I don't know, like if it was still her kid if she got rid of her kid then like put up for adoption or put or even set away to be killed or whatever it was then it'd be different. But that's I think I just assumed like, I mean the the practice would know, the spirits would know the moment that the child is born Mm-hmm. And I think like that that's it done. Bam. Okay. Yeah. But so what do you think because it's a, like it's been 7 years. Um so I guess like who do you think this is and what do you think she needed to contact him about uh 7 years ago? Uh I think this is Jerry or Jeremy, I'm not his friend. Um the person she's talking to on the phone. I mean, yes. So, uh, I'm just like, is this like a present day conversation or is this like yeah. back in? Okay. 
So who are they talking about? They're talking about Blake. Okay. Blake's going back to Toronto and they're going to kill him. <laughs> Which means there's probably not a time skip. I mean, there could be a time skip. <laughs> there might be a short time skip. But like... No, I mean... Yeah. He's from Toronto. Blake's going back to Toronto. I wasn't sure if your cell phone would still be in service. because he... Are you saying... Are you trying to accuse me of like trying to really misdirect you? <laughs> It's Jerry. <laughs> it's Jeremy. Uh, I'm wondering what she called him about seven years ago. But yeah, no asking for forgiveness. We do what we must because they don't ask for forgiveness. And it was a fragile connection and it broke. Um, The irony of their reality. I wonder if it's because she's a connection wizard and they couldn't make a good connection. And apparently Diabolus just cast off this fucking beacon even though he's not really a diabolist he was just was near a demon for two and a half seconds and uh like are diabolists that uncommon and is it that obvious as to what blake is like maybe she's just bitched about the thorburns a lot and so jerry like knows who this is Um, well she hasn't talk to him in uh seven years it says so i guess unless she'd been bitching to other people who were his buddies um well not about blake in particular but about just like you know the, Th- the thorburns for a while or something uh yeah, i mean if, if you think back to um friar girl you know she was saying that like even the animals don't like you they can smell it on you and right. all that so Right. Well, I, yeah, I'm just like, Toronto's kind of big. I guess this dude, if he's out, if he's looking for him, will go out to find him. I don't know. It just, yeah. I don't know if this is a bold and specific prediction. I didn't realize this was open for interpretation, but we're, we're going to go to Toronto and we're going to fight Dionysus's disciple. I feel like I did pretty good at, like, trying to fuck with your brain. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) I feel like you interpreted it just, I mean, just how it was meant. And I tried. Um, But I can't quite fool you, so. (laughs) But did you think it was the... but honestly, the first time I read it, um, I still like was taking this. I think I was I took this conversation to be like a thing, kind of that was after, but like still close in the past. And I was thinking like mm. some mysterious dude that like she sent her son off to mm-hmm. as soon as he was born, so that no one would find out he existed, and somehow that would still keep her line intact. And blahdy blahdy blah. Um, and then I was like, oh. <laughs> But yeah, the first time I read it, that's totally what I thought. So, huh, I like it. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is obvious that that's not what it is, but that's totally what I thought in retrospect. And I'm going to say maybe it's because I read, um, I don't remember which book it is, but you know, the Enchanted Forest or whatever. Chronicles. Uh-huh. Enchanted Chronicles. Um, where that's that point where like they have the rumpelstiltskin guy 
but his name's not Rumpelstiltskin. It's like oh, when he has the eighteen thousand children, yeah, and he's just like, please, someone, I can't do. This I can't. Anymore. I can't. I love I them all, but all I can't raise children. all these kids. Yeah, and so he has to get. He has to get more and more women to like make golden thread because that's the only way he can afford. Yeah. To do exactly. it, and he can't weave the gold for himself or for the children. Yeah, that's so fucking. Good. And what his name was fucking easy. It was like Harold or something. They're like, they still, the cast still can't guess fucking Harold. He like legally changed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like God. I made it literally the easiest name, and like, yeah. And I'm not gonna spoil it, guys. If you read these stories, they come up with a good solution for him. But, I need to reread um, these books. I, w- I was basically assuming that Xander called Harold up. You know, it was like, can you just take this? Like, take you'll know job. him when you see him because he's a tiny little. That's dude hilarious. And... <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Oh. I don't think I didn't actually think that, but I think I had read that like close to it, so it was in my brain. I so I was like, oh, he's got to be back. going to some secret like dude that's gonna make him his apprentice or something yeah and that's like totally not what happened but <laughs> anyway. it. yeah it was kind of a big well i tried you know <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny um anyway now everyone knows how badly i misinterpreted that the first time but that's okay it's because it's, it happens to it happens to the best of us it does and to the worst of us Really, everyone. So. And to the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. And we have finished the arc. Oh, that yeah. was fast. Hey. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty short one. But um, so I'm going to go into the the title of the, the arc. What does breach mean? Yeah. So I looked it up again, slash for the first time, and <laughs> Google said breach is the act of breaking or failing to observe a law agreement or code of conduct and then it also talked about a hole in a wall that you've broken through or whatever and it also talked about whales so being hole in a wall <laughs> that's like some, when you when that you would breach. be a great transition to uh, my fun fact but we're gonna wait <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah so it seems like you know Blake made it into Laird's house there was a breach into into Laird's house um, uh, uh, Laird also had the police called on him and was arrested so maybe he was arrested for breaching you know the piece um i can't think of any like explicit agreement or something broken in this section can you unless it's a spoiler <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna be honest the only thing i can think of when we talk about breached is just a whale <laughs> breaching and so every time you're like blake breached into laird's house i just picture blake like breaching out of the water somehow like out of the sink or the bathtub into <laughs> laird's house and then like you know, Jerry, I mean, breach Sanders' trust. I mean, that that's adding the trust in there makes it so that the first it was like Jerry breaching out of just like a fountain of wine, you know, because that's kind of what he would do. Just like breaching. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah. it's 
I mean, so it's hard for me to concentrate on anything else, which is uh, really sad. I'm a, yeah, but yeah, yeah. My, the last thing I put on there was that Jerry breached Sandra's trust or something, like trying, tying the interlude in. But I just, I don't know, I yeah. felt slightly betrayed yeah. by that, personally. Yeah. Um, Did you say, like, they breached... Uh, something in the Fey realm. <laughs> Did they breach that man's body? <laughs> <laughs> they breached his arms off. <laughs> it's a rough way to go. Hilder Hilder made the table breach. Just ripped it. <laughs> I feel like we might be stretching a little bit, but that's all right. You know, no, this was obviously exactly what Wild Bill meant. <laughs> that's obviously what he meant. Yeah, he didn't mean any of that other <sighs> crap about like you know the you know failing to observe a law or anything. It was literally mm-hmm. just like a weird way to say that someone's arms got ripped off in the past. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I really liked this chapter and this interlude a lot. Um, I mean I, I think like probably sixty percent of my love for this chapter is Hildur, but I really liked it. <laughs> I mean, Hilder is pretty amazing. So. so good. Yeah. Oh, also, I feel like the fairy meet them to leave the realm, and then they don't actually leave. Because, like, the satyr go through, and she leaves the satyr in the room, but I don't know where the fairy went. Um, It doesn't really matter, but it was interesting. True. <laughs> That's interesting. So where do you see this going? What are your predictions for after this? We're going to Toronto. <laughs> it seems like we're not um, gonna that we that Blake is going to Toronto. And we're gonna see him um, um, fight the, the something the wine monsters. Oh, um, wine monsters. The breaching satyrs. The breaching satyrs. It was also oh, it was interesting. Could be that, a like, sports team mascot. Anything about that? The breaching satyrs. I just feel like no. that would be pretty sweet. Like it could be the swim team, it could be a synchronized swimming team, the breaching stairs. No, not no. buying it. No. I don't know. Leave your comments down below. I feel like that's about as good as it gets for a synchronized uh, swimming uh, team name. It you reminds know. me of Fantasia a little, I guess. Exactly. Um. Yeah. <laughs> the the Blake Toronto Blake Toronto Blake Toronto oh that um, could just be the summary in itself right <laughs> like that's, okay. just, that's just your prediction <laughs> um the so the the part two of this chapter happens on 9-11 basically um because hmm. a year and nine months into the new millennium people of this old god decide to do a thing and now the lord of conquest person lord toronto is all like hype and sending people off to war to go conquer things or whatever <laughs> um so that this story takes place in 2011 i think so that means that that was 10 years ago 
So that means that the last time Sandra contacted Jerry was three years after she left him. Approximately. What the fuck happened in 2004? <laughs> I don't know. Um, hmm. uh, I think the story takes place in 2011. Anyway, none of that really matters. It's just interesting to Google have like a specific... Toronto 2004. Let's see. The year in review. So that a year after the city was held captive by a deadly outbreak and a massive blackout. What? There's a deadly outbreak. And a massive blackout? Apparently. Um. Okay, wait, it actually could have been not 2000. When did the story take place? <laughs> Fuck. So it, it started being published in 2013. Maybe it was 2013. Maybe Worms 2011. I mean. Anyway, I'm sorry, uh, everyone, for this, like, completely useless, um, <laughs> tangent. Um, I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Completely um, useless tangents. <laughs> yeah, but that was, an, that was an interesting kind of, like, Um, note the historical note of 9-11 and um, kind of helping center that in the story and everything. Um, so I, I know when it was written if that uh-huh. helps. Which maybe it won't. 2013? So, yeah. yeah. Finished on March 7th, 2015. Oh. I know. Super sweet. Not helpful. Alright. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so where are we going? We're going to Toronto. It seems like we won't really have a time skip. We're definitely coming back to Jacob's Bell because we haven't even gone to the North End yet. Um, and I'm still waiting on one of those rituals. I kind of feel like we'll be in Toronto for about an arc and we'll come back. Um, I also feel like I'm not, I'm not ready to leave Jacob's Bell. Like, I feel like I'm not like grounded enough with most of these characters. And it's just like, whoop. Um, and now I'm going to be introduced to more characters. And I'm just like, I'm not ready. <laughs> well, get ready. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> I saw um, the our last episode. Like last week's episode just came out today. Where we learned mm-hmm. about the time bubble and shit. And I think Megafire was like, ah, oh, like, it finally happened. Like, the first big thing of Pact or whatever. And I'm like, this does feel like a big thing. This does feel like a big shift. But I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, where are we going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really thought this story was going to be, like, 16 arcs about a boy in a house. And it's not that. <laughs> Unless this is all a dream. <laughs> the ultimate cliche goes back to it being all a dream. <sighs> if it is See, all a dream. Those, those fucking dreams in pale really mess me up. I know, right? I didn't. I was like shocked and horrified and like this can't be happening. But I thought it was happening. <laughs> yeah, I did too. He's really good at 
writing nightmares. That's so mean. Also, Lucy's fucking date. I just feel so bad. Like I know. <sighs> Fuck. Waldo, how about you write some flying dreams? As like Instead of therapy. Dreams? No, I mean because the flying dreams are amazing. Generally. <laughs> Uh, he probably would be like, all right, I'm going to make it so that you're flying and you get sucked into an airplane engine or something. But, you know. <laughs> We're all going to have that dream tonight now, Jen. Thanks. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Well, I mean, hopefully not. Cause... Hopefully not. I had another wild bow dream. <laughs> Poor man. What happened? I well, like, I... It's been a, it's been a few days or so, so I can't remember that much. But basically, like again, I don't know what he looks like in real life, but he is like some random white dude in the dream, right? And so I dreamt I don't remember that much, but basically, like we were house guests at his place, and you could tell he was trying to be really polite, but like we kept doing shit to piss him off, like unintentionally, like kept like oh like we used like accidentally used like the special china or something, and like kind of put a scratch on the plate and he's like being really nice but kind of gritting his teeth like it's fine take yourselves at home and like he kept trying to be like he was being really nice you know but he we could tell he's just really irritated we just kept making like little like what is it like yeah little mistakes <laughs> shit that just kept pissing it off and i was just because i think i had like you know, Vitalis and Miko there. Um, I don't remember if you were there or not, but there's like a little group of people I was with that were there and no one noticed except for me that he was getting oh, no. really like just oh, increasingly no. irritated. And I was like, you guys have to be good. What are you doing? And like, just kept fucking it. Like, Oh, like, Oh, we accidentally opened like the fucking special occasion wine that he'd been saving, you know, like, like shit like that, you know, where it's like, you know, it's <laughs> that's all I remember. So, um, we're really shitty, like me and my family, or whatever. We're really shitty house guests at Wild Bo's house, basically. And he just was like too polite to just kick us out. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. I know this is kind of out of order to what we normally do, but um, I wanted to change it because you seemed so upset last time. Oh, I don't even remember being upset, but. I or appreciate you it. So perturbed last time, just like confused. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Yay, guys! So we changed on the sheet. Um, we're gonna do like a pale in comparison section now. Woo! <gasps> so, um, basically, we're gonna uh talk about Ulysses. Woo! Woo! I'm um, guessing you want to compare this. Uh, I'm blanking on his so Mr. Drunky drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Drunky, yep, that's the one. <laughs> Mr. The breaching satyrs and drunky drunk. Drunky drunk. No, I picture uh, just like Mark Wahlberg, real drunk, <laughs> with a bunch of satyrs leaping out of fountains of wine, and just really like, ugh, like doing some rap. Wahlberg? What? Why? Marky Mark. Oh. But Drunky Drunk. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah. Um. So, Jeremy, or Jerry, and Ulysses, right? Like, a... 
I don't know slash remember what type of practitioner this is called, so I'm just going to kind of call them like disciples. Um, I think it's really interesting as a concept and really neat. Um, like priests and stuff, or is that what it is? Uh, maybe you call them disciples. It's fine. Yeah, I like because I feel like they have they're really powerful. Um, they have this. I mean, they're they're clerics basically, right? For those of us who play in D anD D. Or maybe like paladins, um, but they have a lot of they have a lot of power because of their god, whoever their god is. Depending on their power level and like their acceptance of them, their relationship with them, they can have a lot of power. Um, Ulysses keeps the identity of his god secret, possibly to protect himself. Um, Ulysses' god is an unknown god. A fire who is the peer of Prometheus, according to the Pact Wiki. Um, mm-hmm. This is pretty good. I forgot Ulysses' name, y'all. So I typed, I typed pale wild bow, god boy, and the third thing that came up was Ulysses. <laughs> like the first thing was just literally like pat or pale, and then I remember the second thing was when the third thing was Ulysses, and I was like, oh, this is great. Okay, um, <laughs> that's funny, but yeah. Ulysses is like super gorgeous and beautiful, super put together. He has this big sword. He seems to have this like really strong devotion to his god, and it's just all like great and honorable and shit, right? And then there's Jeremy, who I think also like has a strong devotion to his god, um, but is like a complete fucking mess. I mean, he seems he's very powerful. He has a whole like coterie of beings around him all the time um whereas Ulysses is kind of like a hero or champion like alone sort of um jeremy has a group of worshipers um for dionysus but he yeah i don't know he feels more sad more isolated um this kind of practitioner also feels like very strong but very vulnerable um mm-hmm. if their god something happens to them decreases in power um their relationship is severed whatever um it can be disastrous probably um the fairy really dismissed dionysus as like a shitty god that no one worships anymore or whatever and i feel like the m- more that becomes true the less power jeremy or someone would have. He also doesn't have a lot of choices over his himself. He's, you know, like, if he was like, hey, let my wife have a girl, um, Dionysus doesn't care, right? Um, yeah. And while I, the first time at least I interpreted it as Jeremy asked for a boy, um, the second time mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if that was what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like while Jeremy is very powerful, he's also very reliant on Dionysus, and Ulysses possibly is as well. Um, but then with Ulysses, it's not like, oh, he's literally Prometheus's uh, disciple or whatever. It's like someone else. Like this is again Wildbo taking a slight step off of the mainstream Greek pantheon path, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is a super interesting 
type of practitioner um with a lot of like upsides and a lot of downsides um and i i can't imagine just being like yep like i mean this is funny to say as a catholic like but being like yep that one i'm committing my whole like life to that being um because i think like yeah like jesus i could do that i think but being like oh the drunk guy or like oh yes the ocean man and this is i don't know yeah i mean and in the in this universe like the other verse like um and the other like yeah lowercase g gods exist mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh i gotta pick one you know mm-hmm. so it's a little bit different but it just it just that to me feels like a like weirdly big commitment yeah maybe if you're surrounded by a bunch of alcohol <laughs> it helps it that also feels like a very like male in their early 20s decision yeah. like i wonder if jeremy was ever like oh fuck <laughs> yeah <gasps> well i mean we may get to see more of him if uh it's not their little boy child <laughs> right, I, i'm gonna stop but <laughs> or harold or harold yes i don't even remember if that was what he changed his name to but i think it was something like that it was something Close like that, that. I feel like it was Harold, but all right. Um, now we get Malia's bold and specific prediction, but you haven't written anything down, so this is going to be exciting. Or if you're going to bullshit something on the spot, so as long as it's bold and specific and a prediction, then we'll be fine. Well, so for like a second and a half, I was kind of like, oh, I bet that the thing that's up with the Duchamps and the thing that's up with the Thorburns are like the same thing and they're really connected. But then it was Hmm. like, no, like grandma Rose could have boys. Whereas like, it seems like the Duchamps like cannot ever bear boys. Mm -hmm. So that seems a little shot. Um, I mean, I think that there's something up with both of those things. And I think that will learn what it is but i kind of don't think that they're the same thing necessarily mm. okay um which is not very bold of a projection <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know do you have like a prompt um let's let's let, okay which um because i know he has blake hasn't done any of the main rituals yet right mm-hmm do you think he's going to do any in Toronto? Well, okay. So I also try not to read too many things into things, but on the last episode of Pale Reflections, I think Elliot said, like, we don't know what a domain ritual looks like, and I really want to see one. And I was like, fuck, are you doing that thing where in the very first episode you were like, oh, these, like, magicians don't know what they're called like are you just like that good or have you really never seen a fucking domain ritual because i'm gonna lose it if there's been domain <laughs> rituals in this fucking book um i don't know they're pretty good but i know i feel like oh God, i feel like he's gonna do the familiar one first except i don't because i think it's gonna be rose and i think for some reason we're just not talking about that which makes me feel like maybe he'll do the implement one first he shouldn't be doing any major rituals in toronto because he's not anywhere safe um, I Unless think he, he makes a domain. God damn it. 
That would be fascinating if he's like, oh, I'm going to make a domain in Toronto, we'll buy. He, he doesn't want to make a domain in Toronto because, like, everything would come for him. Like, Toronto's a big, scary place, and there's probably lots of magic shit there. And I feel like you don't want to be like, hello, everything in this immediate area that is Toronto. <laughs> come fucking fight me. <laughs> <laughs> um... So I'm going to say no, he won't do one. Okay. In the next. In, in the this next arc. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'd say that's bold and specific enough. Cool. Say he's not doing anything. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go over this week's, or I guess last week's discussion question. Um, it's just me reading over it today. Um, Leah's done the last one or two so it's only fair <laughs> um our question um for last week's episode was if you were to compare yourself to a piece of clothing what would it be and why so we have first up tis a rat um they were saying they view their life like a pair of candy underwear which is hilarious to me they say that similar to candy underwear their life is novel kind of fun not really useful and full of sugar. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, so talking about themselves, they view themselves um, to be more like a worn out jumper, specifically with one sleeve starting to unravel. Um, also, specifically, someone's trying to repair and re-knit it at the same time. Sometimes the unraveling is faster. Sometimes the knitter's faster. But it's warm. And depending on the ravel, versus the knitter can be reasonably practical. So I like that answer. Thank you very much. Um, next is Belegtal. They say Tuke, um, mainly to get me to say Tuke again. So thanks for the honesty there. Um, but they also are saying they like Canadian things and they're cozy. Tukes, not can I guess Canadians can be cozy too. I don't know. I haven't cuddled a Canadian before, but I'll take your word for that. Belegtal. Next up, we've got Bavarian Barbarian. Um, they say a set of suspenders. They say that they're slender, very unstylish, but undeniably useful and can be augmented with many useful features. And you, well, this is just for me, but you can customize them. You could put little buttons or little random things on them, you know, um, definitely adds to the unstylishness, I guess, depending on what kind of decor you decide to put on there. But you know, rock those suspenders. Last but not least, we have Fleet Feathers, and he says a scarf. Basically say that scarf's not always necessary, sometimes can be over the top, can add a splash of pattern or color, but in certain environments, very appreciated and comforting. Um, scarf can also pull an outfit together. And last but definitely not least, a scarf blows dramatically in the wind. Um, and that is definitely true. So thank you guys for your answers. That was a lot of fun. And that is it. Um, I thought immediately just now of a discussion question. We could ask like which um, god would you pick? Okay. That's a pretty good one. All right. Let's do that. Uh, good segue into that, by the way. I like it. But <laughs> which god would you pick? Uh, as your god to like 
base all your practice shit off of. Yeah. I think you can, like, either pick, you know, someone like Dionysus, who we kind of know what they are, or um, maybe kind of say, like, I would like a god with these kind of characteristics or attributes. You know, like, what you think you'd get. Like, why... Who you who would you pick? Why would you pick them? And like, what kinds of things would you do? You think you would get from that relationship? And what kinds of things do you think you'd have to give up? You know, like you get to be drunk, well, not actually drunk. You get to be intoxicated all the time. But on the other hand, you have to be intoxicated all the time. Like, what is the? <laughs> you know, yeah, true. You get a big fucking sword, but your god's almost dead, or whatever is up with you, Lissy. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to put all that. <laughs> but, like, if you do, it'd be cool. Um, Y'all can do what you want. Do what you want. You know, it's just a prompt. <laughs> you know, just do what you want. Whatever feels yeah. right in your soul, you know? Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a rating and review. To help support our podcast, go to patreon.com slash doofmedia. If you'd like to support Wildbo as he continues to write fantastic stories, go to patreon.com slash Wildbo. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Pale Comparison or send us an email at paleincomparisonpod at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for our Reddit thread in r slash parahumans where you can answer our discussion question and share your thoughts on this episode. In addition, if you'd like to see all of my predictions laid out, check out our episode description for a link to a prediction tracker. And don't forget, Pale Conflections! Submissions for the fan art contest are due July 30th, and if you become one of our patrons, you can vote and pick the winner. That's right. Get your art on. (laughs) Yes. Does that sound weird? Probably. (laughs) I love it. All right, this week's fun fact. Um, I know you're dying to know what breaching a hole in a wall has to do with this. So it's not about breaching a hole in a wall, but just breaching a hole in general, if that sentence makes sense. So I'm sure most people are familiar with the game Cards Against Humanity. So in 2016, for Black Friday, um, Cards Against Humanity raised specifically... $100,573 to dig a hole as deep as possible and fill it back up again. There was no purpose for doing this. The creators did not state any reason for the hole or any planned use of the money besides this. They explicitly ruled out charity in a FAQ. Um, because I think what one reader or, or yeah, just the question was, um, why aren't you giving this money to charity instead? They responded by saying, why aren't you giving all this money to charity? It's your money. Which is a really good point. point. That is a good point. I mean, they tell you straight up what they're, what they're doing with it. And you're choosing to donate to them anyway. So this was located in Oregon, Illinois, which is confusing. But um, there's a place called Oregon, Illinois. And I think they spent a few days... They live-streamed the dig. Um, the construction company said it was the weirdest like request that they'd gotten, but you know they were happy to do it for money. So, <laughs> 
Um, if you're interested as well, I'm not going to read through all of them because there's a lot, but um, there's quite a few other Black Friday promotions that Card Against, Cards Against Humanity has done, um, including an anti-sale where the game's cost was raised $5, and yet they still actually had a minor spike in sales during that period. So that just shows uh, how strange humans how, are. Yeah. It's, people are weird as fuck, man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, that's our fact and that's our episode. So have a good week, everyone. Yep. Quick update. His name was Herman, which isn't Herman! actually that easy to guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, he should have done like, like Bob, Bob, Bob. Honestly. Yeah. Bob. I mean, Herman's a lot easier than Rumpelstiltskin if you've never heard Rumpelstiltskin. But, like... But do you know anyone named Herman? No. No. No, I don't. Well, yeah, it's rough luck, man. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. I just saw the slacker messages Matt just put on and then or have you checked slacker in a little bit? It's like an hour ago. They were just talking about how like like a Star Wars anime thing. And then Matt's basically like anime might be the best medium for the thing Star Wars has turned into. And I just want them to go buck wild and gradually introduce all the powers from Naruto. And Scott's just like, I hate you. <laughs>